Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We've got a very interesting guest on our show today. One of the topics that Lou and I would always are looking to talk about is what's cool in manufacturing. And today we get to talk about light guide systems, which we'll get into in a moment. But before we jump in with our guest, Lou, how are things in New Jersey? Did you survive the Nor'easter? Well, yeah, but we're waiting for the next one tomorrow. We're, we're, <laughs> expecting, we're expecting 12 inches tomorrow. But, uh, you know, the weatherman is the only job in the country that you could be wrong 100% of the time. And you still get your $150,000 a year. And if you happen to be one of the pretty ones on television, you get more. So uh, we're, we're anxiously awaiting for the, uh, the next Nor'easter. Thanks for asking. Yeah, how exciting. <laughs> well, let's chat with our guest a little bit, and then we're going to take a commercial break a, a ways into that and uh, come back to Paul Reisner, who is the CEO of OPS Solutions and happens to be the creator of Light Guide Systems. This is fascinating. It's a revolutionary augmented reality tool that uses projected lights and proprietary software to transform manufacturing. So I'm going to let Paul get into this very fascinating subject of light guide systems. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, great. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate it. Great to talk with you and Lou again. Thank you. So, so tell us what it's about. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually an augmented reality technology that we use, just as you mentioned, uh, high-lumen in, high industrial strength uh, lights. Uh, projectors that project step-by-step work instructions right onto the actual process of building or inspecting a wide variety of of products and processes around the world. We're up to about 28 countries now that are using light guide systems for various, uh, not just manufacturing, but even medical applications. And we try to make complex processes as simple as just following the lights. And it's uh, We've got uh, systems running for automotive and aerospace and uh, medical, as I mentioned, defense, and even electronics as well. Well, let me go uh, one step backwards, uh, Paul. Uh, we've, we've had a couple of shows about augmented reality, and, you know, we have a lot of people that are not always on the same show. So before you get into your aspect of the light guide system, let's, let's give us about three minutes' worth of explanation about what the augmented reality is other than the moving uh, football line on television. You know, what do they call that? Yeah, the, the first down line, the blue line, the yellow line that you yeah, see the, on TV. The, yeah. Right, the scrimmage line. Oh, am I proud of myself? Yeah, the scrimmage line. Exactly. Well, you know, it, and it doesn't really matter if it's manufacturing or non-manufacturing. There's really five different ways of uh, work instructions, forms of work instructions that can be used to communicate uh, information in order to standardize uh, the work. Uh, there's paper-based work instructions. There's uh, kind of like a monitor display-based work instructions. But then you've really got these three forms of augmented reality work instructions, 
which include projection-based augmented reality, which is what we're doing. You've also got wearable eyewear uh, forms of augmented reality, such as a uh, Google Glass or Microsoft HoloLens and some of the other ones that are out there. And then the third form is really more of a tablet based augmented reality like a, an iPad or something like that. So uh, so those are really the five options today for different forms of work instructions. Um, we're really using projection-based AR because if you're in a manufacturing plant, it allows you to just wear your normal safety glasses uh, that's on the job, so there's no concerns about hygiene of sharing different wearable eyewear across different people and different shifts. Uh, also from a safety standpoint, uh, there's really no risk that you're going to get distracted by some uh, in information that's on the inside of a wearable eyewear, for instance, and possibly um, you know get injured or, or even worse because of that distraction factor. No different than a lot of factories have completely banned cell phones in their factories because of safety-related risks and even injuries that have occurred. So you know, for all those reasons, um, we're really focusing on projection-based AR, uh, and also the the key thing is that it's very secure. We're hardwired. Uh, with our technology into uh, power and also uh, the Internet without communicating really anything wirelessly, which is a, a bit of a security risk. So we don't have to worry about the Russians when it comes <laughs> to your technology? <laughs> you uh, you don't have to worry about them as much. I think you still have to worry about uh, you know all kinds of different ways people can get into systems today, but um, the way we're doing it with Lightgate Systems is, is definitely one of the more secure options. Well, that's good to hear. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, uh, cybersecurity has become a huge issue. Uh, we've done several shows on it, and it's. I think it's going to be just a growing uh, problem. So it's it's good to hear that you're taking care of it through uh, uh, the methodology that you are. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of our customers as well are able to receive some very quick return on investments uh, through higher quality. Uh, higher productivity and greater training effectiveness. So, although we can't really help uh, the weathermen get more accurate, as you were talking about earlier with Tim, <laughs> you know, in the weather forecast, we can definitely make sure that a transmission is built uh, with much higher quality using light guide systems. Well, it's interesting that Lou mentioned that because when I was in college, I was in climatology for a semester, and I brought up the idea that the weatherman ought to have the office with the window so that they could get the weather projected, you know, forecasted correctly. Now, in, in your world, Paul, the um, technology, give us an example, at least one that we can understand, about how the technology is used in a manufacturing plant. Well, you know, I kind of mentioned the transmission example earlier, Tim, but it can be applied to really anything. We, we always say it doesn't matter whether it's pizzas, pacemakers, or powertrains. So we just want to make sure that that product is built exactly right uh, every time. But, you know, if we were to continue on with the transmission example, for instance, um, this would be where uh, you may have multiple variations of a transmission uh, that would come across a specific workstation throughout a shift or a week. And, uh, and because of that high level of variation, putting different gears in or different uh, parts and maybe in some cases different orders, there's, there's risk associated with that variation. So what we would do with LightGuide is uh, we're, we're basically right into Industry 4.0, so we would get some kind of a uh, input from a data management system that the customer would already have in their factory that would tell us, you know, what that product is uh, at station, 
And then once we get that uh, input from their data management system, we immediately then start projecting step-by-step -step work instructions to, for instance, select a uh, half-inch diameter bolt out of a bin that we would light up, and then we would actually show them on the transmission exactly where that half-inch bolt should go. And so we would standardize both the picking and the placement of that bolt, and it could also be done in a very similar way for gears and other parts of of, of that product. But the really interesting thing is that we can interface with a wide variety of sensors. So if we were to guide somebody to pick 10 bolts and put them in the right 10 locations, we could even then guide them through torquing all 10 of those bolts in exactly the right order by lighting up each bolt head in the order that they need to, uh, to torque. And then we would not advance to go to the next step unless the uh, torque gun told us that each torque was properly met for the engineering specification. So it really can plug right into a wide variety of Industry 4.0 smart sensors and devices together with the step-by-step -step guidance of, of LightGuide. So re regarding that, uh, the ROI, what, what kind of ROI do we have uh, based on you know, time and productivity and so on uh, that you can determine? Right. Some of our customers um, have actually quantified a return on investment in weeks in some cases, not even months or years. It's, uh, it's driven a little bit, Lou, by um, you know, their labor rates and their, their cost of quality and, and defect rates, and that varies uh, you know, across different applications that we do. So it is somewhat application-specific. However, um, we, t we try to go after with our customers those pain points, as we call them, uh, that they have not been able to solve yet. And uh, once LightGuide goes in, uh, typically they're receiving a payback, uh, very, very quick payback for that investment. Now, the other thing, too, is that it can also handle a, a wide variety of uh, a variation in a very flexible way. And what I mean by that is that instead of putting in robots or automation, it allows our customers another tool in their toolbox, let's say, uh, that would allow them to keep people on that job with the high flexibility uh, that are provided by people that oftentimes is not provided by automation and, and robots. Um, and so that's really a key factor for those companies that are really looking to optimize their process with the uh, highest level of, of quality. In a lot of cases we say augment, uh, don't automate, because we can provide uh, a much higher level of flexibility than you can with typical uh, transfer lines or other forms of automation. So on your AR uh, tool uh, that you're uh, presenting to the public, uh, what does it take to, uh, number one, what type of companies are you looking to that you can get into? Are they large, mediums, small companies? Can a small manufacturing company, a company of 30, 40 people, can they utilize your product at a uh, reasonable cost uh, and a fairly quick uh, ROI? They, they are. We've actually got two versions of our product, Lou. We've got a smaller tabletop version of LightGuide. We call it the LightGuide Systems Pro. And uh, this is uh, where we partnered up with Hewlett-Packard to provide LightGuide on an all-in-one device uh, that you could literally unplug it and have it up and running in the other side of a factory in five or ten minutes if you wanted to. But oh, all really? with, 
augmented reality guidance. Yep, so that provides uh, those smaller factories uh, that might be 30 or 40 people um, with a pretty low-cost option for products that are, are smaller form factors. Uh, and then we've got our Lightgate Systems Classic that uh, it actually gets uh, you know installed right on the workstation itself, typically um, off uh, the projectors installed off of an overhead uh, tool rail or a, a roof truss or possibly even in the workstation itself. And, uh, and that one also allows even small manufacturers uh, to be very, uh, you know, very productive with high quality and a quick ROI. Um, but, you know, it, it goes anywhere from small and medium enterprises all the way up to the GEs and GMs of the world and, and every, everywhere in between. So uh, we can work with a wide variety of customers in a, a whole lot of different industries. In terms of uh, implementation and uh uh, timing and uh, training. Uh, how, what is that like? Uh, yeah, typical installation for us uh, would require maybe one to two shifts of installation maximum for the Lightguide Pro. Uh, I'm sorry, the Lightguide Classic. Uh, that's the larger system. The smaller Lightguide Pro is typically done within one to two hours, um, depending upon right. uh, the work instructions. Yeah, so that one is uh, is a very quick. Uh, you know, turnaround as far as getting it up and running. Uh, and then also, we'll actually train our customers on how to author their own work instructions. And so uh, they're able to do that after about an 8-hour to 12-hour train program that we provide as a part of the installation. Uh, they can basically, since they're experts on their own products and processes, uh, they can author their own work instructions and make uh, continuous updates over time. It's uh, We've tried to model our user interface as close to PowerPoint as possible uh, because everybody can relate to that, and uh, with some training from our end, we can get them up and running in Lightguide in a very uh, quick fashion. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, I'm going to have you define for our audience a word that's being thrown around the industry, at least in manufacturing, called gamification. But let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason ThomasNet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all free. Go to ThomasNet.com today. And see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're here with Paul Reisner, who is with OPS Solutions. We're talking about light guide systems, and we're really interested in a word that's floating around the industry, Paul, called gamification. Can you explain what it is to our audience? Yeah, I think at a very high level, the best way to understand gamification is really engaging people into whatever process they're working on at any given time. In other words, uh, the more people are actively engaged in the work they're doing, 
the more attention they're going to pay to that work, and also uh, the higher quality uh, typically will be a, a positive result out of that. So to me, and I think a, a lot of our customers, gamification is really around how do you, at a much higher level, engage uh, the workforce in the work that they're doing uh, in order to be able to ensure the highest quality and productivity and, and training effectiveness. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, it's really kind of interesting because a good analogy would be, you know, if, if you go to a bowling alley, but there's a, a blanket that's, uh, you know, covering up all the pins and you just roll the bowling ball and it goes behind the blanket and you hear a, a crash, but that's it. You never know what your score was or even what your results were because you can't see it. Um, you know, bowling wouldn't be too fun of a sport to do. And so, but with the results that you see exactly how you did, you get your running score and comparing it against, uh, you know, other other people that are also bowling, it really, you know, kind of uh, advances you through uh, a much more productive process and also something that you're more engaged in. So more and more on the factory floors, you're seeing uh, companies that are bringing in this gamification uh, into their manufacturing floors so that uh, real-time results are very, very visible to the people doing the work. But also, it's, it's more exciting to the folks because now their 40 or 50-hour week that they're spending in that particular manufacturing facility is, is much more engaging, uh, more interesting, and uh, typically the end result is a much higher level of, uh, of manufacturing processes as well. So is the uh, training uh, in regards to gamification for somebody who's been on the manufacturing floor for 30, 40 years, and he's now 50, 55, 60 years old, he's a couple of years away from retirement, is the training process for him or her uh, rather simple? Well, we've seen a, a wide variety of both experienced and even less experienced people benefit, uh, Lou, from gamification. So, for instance, uh, a great example of it would be, um, you know, there's different, obviously, uh, quality metrics, productivity metrics that you can display right on the on, on the workstation that allows anybody doing the work to see how they're performing against anybody else. So that data really allows... Uh, two things. It, it really allows you to see, number one, who may be coming up with a better process just by doing things faster and, uh, you know, through in, in a more optimal way. So that data becomes a great way to continually optimize your processes based on new practices that different people are, are really implementing on their own. But then it also allows you to see, you know, who might need a little more training uh, based on those results. Um, and so we're able to, with our technology, provide the step-by-step -step work instructions, which just by itself gets people more engaged in the work. But the analytics that are also being captured around cycle times as well as uh, different performance levels uh, across different shifts, et cetera, also allows, you know, ways to see uh, where you might have people that have actually optimized processes on their own that the whole company and everybody can benefit from. Does uh, Light Guide Systems work well in a lights-out environment uh, for the second or potentially third shift that a company may have where they don't have anybody on the floor? Well, we can actually guide people through a wide variety of processes. So, for instance, uh, if you do have on third shift, let's say, where you may not have any production going on, but there's typically a lot of other manual work that's going on, 
preventive maintenance, for instance, or changeovers that are being done on third shift in preparation for first shift production, um, you know, a true augmented reality technology should be able to guide people through uh, almost any kind of a manual process involving people. So we, with our technology, have uh, applied it toward, you know, other non-production uh, processes such as changeovers and preventive maintenance and, and other things like that. So absolutely, you know, we can help, uh, you know, a lights out type of operation uh, still be done correctly, getting ready for production on the next shift. Uh, Paul, I'm almost expecting Pac-Man-like sound effects, and I get to rack up points in the upper right-hand corner, and I win a half a day off for a free lunch. Does your software include any of that? Oh, yeah, it's uh, really amazing. It, uh, we've had some of our customers, for instance, that uh, let's say that you're building a vehicle and, uh, and you need to do your steps in a 90-second cycle time or maybe uh, even less than that, but let's just say it's 90 seconds. Uh, but yet if you get done in 70 seconds and you've got 20 seconds more before the next vehicle comes in, we could actually use our technology to allow the two team members doing the work at that station to play an electronic game of, of ping pong or pong with each other for that 20 <laughs> seconds as a reward for getting done early before the next vehicle comes into station and they start doing their work. So that type of an incentive you know, allows people to get done faster so they can have a little fun in between vehicles. They want money. They don't want 20 seconds of uh, uh, It's all customer-specific, Lou. They can give them a little money as well as allowing them to play ping pong, however they want yeah. to do it. But <laughs> Okay. So your software, they, your software actually does support that kind of interactivity. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it actually is not being done on a monitor or, or something like that. It, it, it can actually be done you know, right on the workstation itself with uh, electronic, uh, you know, essentially a, a ball going back and forth across the uh, the conveyor until the next vehicle comes into station. So there's a lot of different things that you can do to make the, the you know, the job on the shop floor, you know, more exciting and more engaging for people. Paul, you've talked about operators coming up with their own processes that help improve what the company is doing in the overall what are some of the unique processes that people have come up all on their own? Oh, wow, there's so many of them. I mean, the, the workforce today, it's uh, uh, really, you know, again, if you can offload some of the, let's just say, the, the stressful parts of a job, in other words, without a technology that assists you, uh, and you have to try to remember every step of every job for every variation, it can be very stressful for people. But if you provide them a tool, no different than GPS, reduces you know the stress of the driving experience so that you don't have to specifically remember every turn uh, when you're driving we actually say that would free up mind width in other words that mind width that gets freed up when you've got a tool like gps or an augmented, re augmented reality tool on on the shop floor that frees up mind width it allows the employees then to to have a little extra time even while they're doing the work to be doing what people do best, which is looking to continuously improve uh, that operation through new ideas and, and things like that. So we see this all the time where if you free up mind with on the shop floor with people, they come up with ideas that they typically wouldn't otherwise come up with when you know all they're doing is concentrating on making sure every step is done right. And uh, we see all kinds of ways that people come up with uh, improving efficiency, improving quality, 
uh, even improving in some places complete shop floor layouts to optimize the flow uh, of the process. So it, uh, you know, the human mind is just amazing when you combine the best of human intelligence with technology in a, in a way that's never been done before. When when you have a client or a prospective client who approaches you or you approach them and you talk to them about what their methodology is and how you might be able to help them, how long does it take you for, to do an analysis to best come up with the uh, the best methodology for them to be operating in their manufacturing environment? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, this whole augmented reality industry, quite honestly, Lou, is, is, is really just getting created. I mean, this is an industry that hasn't existed before. So originally, when we first started in 2005, um, the sales cycle was very long, and uh, there was just a tremendous amount of education uh, for each individual customer that needed to be performed before we could even start talking a little bit about the applications. But now, uh, it's almost like this whole world is, is waking up in manufacturing to uh, what augmented reality can do. And so that sales cycle is really getting much more compressed than it's ever been before. So we've actually um, had some cases where uh, somebody approached us, uh, let's say, on a Monday, uh, looking to have a system up and running, and by Friday of that week, we had it in full production, um, up and running at their factory within literally a week from that initial phone call all the way through concept, uh, ordering the hardware and installing it and delivering results by the end of the day on Friday. So uh, that really, you know, is, is, would never have happened five or ten years ago, but it's happening on a pretty regular basis now. Well, that's pretty amazing, and, and I guess based on what you just said, uh, I guess my next question would be the obvious. What's coming in the future in terms of augmented reality? Well, what we're finding, at least from our perspective, Lou, is that you know, these, uh, there isn't really going to be an augmented reality, one augmented reality technology that works for every single manual process around the world. Um, so there are going to be applications where projection-based projection augmented reality is definitely the best option. But there's also going to be other ones where a wearable eyewear is the best option. Uh, if you're in a confined space, for instance, or a tablet, uh, might be the best form of, of augmented reality. So, you know, some of our customers uh, that we're talking with and have already implemented our systems are, are really looking for almost one-stop shopping where they want to be able to utilize, uh, you know, one supplier for different forms of AR uh, technologies depending upon the application. So I can really see that happening where, um, you know, more and more of these technologies are, are going to need to be able to be adapted in very similar ways to uh, different customer applications. And I also see that uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, new advancements made throughout time uh, on the wearable eyewear as well. Uh, and, and we're seeing that, I think, with uh, almost every couple months now, you've got a new version of, a, of wearable eyewear coming out with new enhancements that didn't even exist with, with the previous iteration. So that technology is, is just going to continue to advance. Uh, I had an opportunity several months ago. I went to a uh, conference, and um, if I'm not mistaken, the name of the company was American Crane in Pennsylvania uh, that uh, builds crane systems, and they train crane operators and so on. And they came up with a new uh, software technology where they have eyewear, and they give you a, uh, a tool 
uh, a, a hand tool and you're looking through your eyewear and they train you how to operate a crane that goes across the entire plant and then uh, you use the tool to go over to a point and pick up some goods and move it to another part of the um, uh, warehouse or building or manufacturing floor. And uh, it was really quite amazing because in training a operator on a real crane, uh, one is dangerous, two, you can really mess up some product. And this, uh, you, you just wear the goggles and, you know, play the play the game, and uh, which, of course, because I'm a bit of a wise guy, I knocked over piles of product and all over the warehouse, and then I would go pick it up and move it to another place, and it was quite exciting to do that. Um, meanwhile, they claim to save thousands and thousands of hours of training and saving lives, saving people from getting hurt by using the real crane and dropping a real box on somebody on the other side of the warehouse. Uh, I, when I did it, there was no people there, and Mr. Magoo wasn't there, so uh, I didn't have that problem. But it was really amazing to uh, utilize the technology. Wow, that's great. They probably didn't extend a job offer to you after that training session, I would imagine. No, actually, they, they, did, they did not. They did not. Uh, yeah, but that, that that's exactly the right uh, environment to be learning in and making mistakes uh, rather than, like you say, just on a, on a regular crane, for instance, or even learning how to pilot a plane or something like that, you know, where they can actually throw a wide variety of scenarios at you and see how you react and, and do you react in the right way and the wrong way versus the wrong way as compared to having experienced that, you know, in, in a live environment. But it, it, there's so many different ways that it can be applied, uh, you know, in, in so many different applications. But one of the really interesting ones, I think, as well, separate from the training aspect of it, is that uh, we're all familiar with the learning curve. And that, was, uh, that notion was actually invented by a, a researcher named Herman Ebbinghaus, where he also invented – uh, a thing called the forgetting curve, which is that if you're only doing, uh, you know, 10 different things, chances are you're not going to really make a mistake. But if you have to do 30 or 40 or 50 different steps, uh, what he documented that the, the mind kind of takes a little bit of a nap, uh, usually around five or six steps in, and it always remembers the last five or six steps. But in the middle zone there is when a lot of mistakes are made for building a, a part, let's say. So, you know, there has to be a technology that doesn't forget, and that's really what augmented reality can do is it can guide people through every step of a standardized 30- or 40-step process so that those very critical steps that sometimes are forgotten in that middle zone uh, aren't forgotten. And, uh, and, and that's really, from a productivity and quality standpoint, um, where AR can just do a great job of making sure that a, a critical step involving cleaning an endoscope or putting a bolt in a, a very critical airbag or something like that is, uh, is never forgotten. So the, to your point about um, humans forgetting uh, steps number 6 through 30, is this also leading towards the replacement of humans? Well, there's a really interesting article, and there's more and more of these as well, Lou, that are, are coming out where um, – 
uh, there was an article published by The Guardian about how Mercedes-Benz is firing their robots, essentially. In other words, uh, <laughs> which has got to be a very boring exit interview if you're the, uh, the, you've got a robot across <laughs> the table that you're firing at the time. But, but it's really for that reason where, you know, as you put in extensive automation and, and kind of the lights-out factory type of a, of a notion, um, you know, if you could do that, it, it's, it can be sometimes pretty good in some areas, However, you do lose a tremendous amount of flexibility because it's very difficult to, to pick up a, a lot of automation and relocate it in a shift or two and have it up and running in a totally different location you know, within the same day or even the next day. So that flexibility is always going to be a huge advantage for humans you know, on a factory floor as compared to automation. Uh, you've got some automotive OEMs where they just do a tremendous job of recognizing where to put people, where people do the best job, and where to put automation, where it does the best job. And, and typically those automotive OEMs that have got that uh, you know, ability to really recognize where automation should go versus people, they'll typically run the lower uh, overall uh, cost per vehicle and even the lowest uh, labor hours per vehicle as well. So it's not as easy as just to say, I'm going to put all automation in or I'm going to put all people in. Uh, you know, the smart manufacturers are very selective on, on understanding where, do, uh, where, where should automation go and where should people go. Paul, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to ask you about the most fascinating application you've run across so far, assuming you don't have to give away state secrets. But we'll be back right after this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. So, Paul, when we did an interview some months ago with Newport News Shipbuilding, we encountered one of these applications. It was a tablet application where they were going through a battleship trying to figure out what temporary structure had not been removed, and the temporary structure was in green and the permanent structure was in purple. We found it fascinating. What fascinating things have you found with your application? Boy, I tell you, there's so many of them, it's kind of hard to pick out one or two. But I, it's really kind of interesting to see, uh, for those of us that have been in uh, manufacturing uh, for a long time, uh, what we're seeing more and more of is this real intersection between people and robots and these collaborative robots or cobot uh, applications. And, and this is really an interesting field just by itself where you've got a person working you know, together with a robot in a very safe and synchronized way. And so we've implemented a number of our systems into exactly that environment where um, our technology is uh, interfacing seamlessly with robot technology and we're, you know, we're talking to the robot, we're controlling the robot, but we're also giving the right uh, guidance to the person as well. And to us, that's a, that's a fascinating field because it really shows you know, this ability for people to work together uh, with robots and automation in, in a safe and synchronized way. And in that case, our technology really becomes a job creation and a job retention tool uh, in a way that is really gaining a lot of popularity with a number of our customers. 
Interesting stuff, Paul. Now, are you at any of the trade shows that we might hang out at and we can actually see OPS Solutions and some of this Lake Guide systems? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, in a lot of different trade shows throughout the year. Typically, we'll always do the assembly show in Chicago. Uh, coming up here in uh, end of April, we were actually going to be at the Hanover uh, Industrial Automation Show in Germany. Uh, and we're going to be in the uh, one of the uh, booths from Michigan, actually, displaying our technology. And uh, I think a number of our customers in Europe will also be displaying Light Guide uh, in, at that show as well. Uh, we were just recently at the medical device show uh, in Anaheim a couple months ago. But if anybody is interested in, in seeing Light Guide at work, uh, please visit our website. And we typically keep all of our web show dates. Uh, I'm sorry, all of our trade show dates. Uh, up on our website there, so that stays current. Great. So, and what is the website? It is uh, www.lightguidesys.com, all one word. Uh, also, why don't you send us a, a list of uh, your events, and we'll be happy to post them on our website as well. That would be tremendous. One other thing I might add is that uh, in Chicago, uh, we actually have 10 of our systems now running at the Digital Manufacturing and Design Institute uh, in Chicago. So if uh, somebody was interested, in, they're doing tours all the time there, they could just Google DMDII, and uh, it'll bring up their website, and uh, they could schedule a tour through there to see Light Guide at work. Well, Paul, this certainly fits the bill for what Lou and I deem as what's cool in manufacturing. Light Guide system sounds terrific. Thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you very much. It's great talking with you. Thank you much. You take care now. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we've been talking with Paul Reisner, who is founder and CEO of OPS Solutions and creator of Light Guide Systems. Feel free to join us at mfgtalkradio.com, and you can listen to this as well as any of our other 200 and what, lose 70-some shows? Almost 280. They, they have to join the 650,000 people who have downloaded our shows. And then, of course, there's yeah, there WAM, go. Women and Manufacturing, a show that we started in November. It's uh, about uh, accomplished women interviewing accomplished women. We have uh, five uh, women hosts who are really, uh, sorry, six, uh, who are really incredible, and they have uh, brought in their network of other women who are uh, from the C-suite down to the uh, shop floor, and uh, really some incredible conversations, and uh, I think it's worthwhile listening. And actually, I, I hate to admit this, but I'm going to, that Wham! is growing at four times the speed that Manufacturing Talk Radio grew four years ago. So it's really <laughs> catching True. on fast. And uh, I wish my mother was there to see uh, what we're doing for the women. Uh, my mother was uh, secretary to the Commandant of the Coast Guard in the 1950s, and she was a, a leader of her, in her time. And uh, she would uh, really be thrilled to see the, what I'm doing for women as well as you, Tim. Yeah, it's been a great show. And also sign up for our Metals and Manufacturing Outlook newsletter. It's actually an e-zine that comes out digitally every month. Visit any of our shows at mfgtalkradio.com and also at womenandmfg.com. We appreciate all of our listeners, all of our downloaders. Visit us office, 
often and we'll be back with you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.